You know, girl, I never mind working on a Saturday if it means I get to see you. I know. And we're doing Datelines and it's bonus <laughs> stuff. It's like fun for everyone, hopefully. Know. You know, ends up on your feet on a Thursday. Give me a quick Keith. Give me your best Keith. Well, well, well. <laughs> Here we are, another Thursday morning on the TCO bonus episode. <laughs> Patrick Hines. You guys, happy Thursday. I love making these bonus episodes. I know. It's so great. Yeah, like I said, I hope they're as much fun for you to listen to as it is for us to make them. Oh, I love it, love it, love it. You guys, if you want more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon. We're getting close to 300 full ad-free bonus episodes. As I've been saying, it's searchable. If you go to Patreon and you're like, I want to listen to I'll Be Gone in the Dark, and then I want to try out the Gacy doc, or I want to go right to... A Menendez brother. A Menendez brother. You can search it and you can find it. And we are working on the website, so we're going to make it even more searchable. You can just go to the website and click it'll take you right to the first episode of that series. I know it's a lot of content, but like, I love watching people in the Facebook group like join the Patreon. They're like, I'm overwhelmed. And then they're like, oh my God, I have content for months. And then everyone's like, either start from the beginning or start with the jinx. Right. The jinx is always <laughs> a safe bet. Oh my God. Also join the Facebook group, you guys, where we announce all the stuff we're doing first, merch or live shows or new series that we're doing or whatever's on the Patreon now. But it's also where you can like make new friends and connect with your true crime community. Yeah, like quotes from the show that you like everyone gets it everyone yeah. knows that bears will bear no one's gonna fight you on it Sasha our Facebook community manager she's been doing watch parties so like once a week she's like alright at 8 o'clock on this Tuesday we're all gonna watch the documentary this week so it's really fun everyone gets involved it's just like a fun place to be we pop in and say hi all the time yeah and also I just there was just a story of someone seeing a TCO listener in the wild yeah, yeah. they saw somebody like on the Long Island Railroad where they let the women do the work back oh I was talking about a different story about oh, really? someone overheard us and they sang the names oh, crazy <laughs> crazy fun stories like that All right, girl, what are we talking about today? We are talking about Deadly Connection. It has like eight coming up ons. I know. A gorgeous evening. Girls' night out. She loved to have fun. Yeah, she loved to have fun. Kenya was bright, pretty, adored by everyone. I felt like she was like my twin. Partying with friends, somehow she disappeared. She's like, are you with Kenya? And I say, no, I thought she was with you. Where was she? Confounding clues on a surveillance tape and strange stories from a witness. Not one word of what he told me made any sense to me. And then another beauty, this one, left for dead. She was unrecognizable. Was evil stalking young women both dark-haired, both pretty girls. It was chillingly similar. A case that led to unheard-of places. In the history of my department, that's never happened. So Lester Holt is here. I know. Because Lester Holt always introduces them, and then he's like, and here is Keith Morrison. Yeah, look, but, we're going to let Keith do the investigating. But he does it in a way where I was like, Lester. So this episode, <laughs> he's like, look. Any given weekend night, chances are someone you love, one of your kids maybe, is heading out for some fun. A few worries? Sure, about drinking, driving, hookups. But the two young women in this story found a very different kind of trouble. For each, the simple joys of a night out would lead to the most confounding and terrifying of mysteries. Here's Keith Morrison. On any given weekend, chances are someone you love, your kids probably, heading out to have a little bit of fun. Mm -hmm. And maybe one day they'll end up on Dateline. Anyway, here's Keith Morrison. (laughs) Take it away, Keith. And I'm like, Lester! (laughs) 
Oh my God. I feel uniquely positioned to explain to my daughter the perils of the world. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I guess I'm gonna, like, as she, when she's old enough, I'm gonna pick out selected documentaries to watch together and talk about. She will have no interest in true crime. That's because it's just, she'll be it's like a sports yep. camping. She'll have nothing. She'll, she won't care about music. Not in my, over my dead body. <laughs> Not in this house. No. <laughs> Not under my roof. So we open with, like, we're in a hospital room in an ICU. We're it's, at a thousand. It's awful. It's awful. All right, pull over, trigger warning for everything we are told the woman in the icu was barely alive her jaw shattered in a dozen pieces a once beautiful face unrecognizable after the brutal beating the rape the fire the fall the massive nearly fatal stroke she's also like we're being told not the first victim of whoever did this to her and this woman because she's alive is our only chance to catch this guy yeah and i'm like this is a lot of pressure I'm for like, this lady. Can we warm up a little bit first? <laughs> can we make out a little before I, we get to the what is going? A little form. Jesus Christ! A long wet, especially with this. But then he says, "What happened here was spawned in a very dark corner of the human condition by that terrifying flaw that forces us to admit, yes, Virginia, there really is a boogeyman." Yes, Virginia, there really is a boogeyman. What does that mean? Wait, and I'm like, wasn't Virginia asking about Santa Claus? I, <laughs> who's Virginia? I really don't know what that is. It's like, yes, Virginia, there really is a Santa Claus. It's like some cute story, and I'm like, we this is, might be one of the darkest things we cover. Because we get, yes, Virginia, there is a boogeyman, and also she should be dead by now by Keith. And also Lester Holt saying, I, I just, just stopping by to say, you should all be terrified. Anyway, here's Keith Morrison. Keith, I'm like, where where are we? The listeners wanted this one. I know, I know. Highly requested. Oh, my God. So we begin three months before that scene in the ICU. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're in Denver, Colorado. We're in Lodo, girl. We're in in an area of Denver called Lodo. And Keith says... It was the night before April Fool's Day, 2011. Also known as March 31st. (laughs) I know. Also, I hate April Fool's Day. It's my least favorite day of the year. Me too. It's so stupid. And just like the classic horror movie trope, he's like, and it's a girl's night out. And I went, no! No. When I was a junior in high school, a bunch of us all went to the prom together, and my friend Robin was the prom queen, and it was so fucking cool. And after the prom, there was a place on Cape Cod where you could take like a walk through the deep woods near the beach, like on like the way, way, way in the middle of nowhere. What? The yeah. woods? Yeah, in the woods. Like there's like a trail, and we were like, let's go do that at like midnight after the prom. We were real cool, what? you guys. But and you you're voluntarily going on a nature trail or something? Midnight. The whole point okay. was to go do something like spooky and scary. Okay. And I was holding my friend Robin's arm, and I was like, oh my god, I'm walking into the forest with the prom queen. I'm going to be the first Bye. to die. This is the cold open. <laughs> totally. <laughs> we didn't even get the title card yet. Oh. You're dead before the story even starts. Kill the gay right at the top, you guys. The prom queen. Walking in, walking to your death with the prom queen. I know. Walking to my so, death. <laughs> it's a girl's night out. Our victim is Kenya Monhe. Yeah. And we're here with Janet Gomez, who's Kenya's friend. And she was like a fun-loving girl. And she loved to have fun. Yeah, she loved to have fun. She came from having nothing to being somebody and on one of her calendars it says like study 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 and then it says party on the last day she is a better time manager than i could ever be yeah because she has on her calendar like study 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 and on friday night it's like party smiley face like she knows like no focus for the week and then you can have fun and i'm like mclean vibes yes and i'm like words to live by kenya kenya and her friends have this safety policy where whenever they go out they go out together and they leave together but keith tells us tonight didn't go as planned which is why we're here at dateline right 
Thank you, Dateline. Yeah, God, we know, right. we're so not new here. No. <laughs> so they were supposed to all meet up at this club called Lavish, but yeah. Kenya didn't show up. And Can we name our clubs better? Like, that is such yeah. a fucking club name. Like, it is It is such, it's a you stereotypical know, yeah. club yes, name. There was a club in New York for a while called Duvet, which was I literally know. beds. You would literally, like, go into the club and, like, sit on a bed. And then there was a club weird. called Bed <laughs> that did the same thing. Because Duvet wasn't subtle enough. <laughs> Let's just call it Bed. Uh, the New York club scene was a weird, weird thing, I'll stay you home in my bed if I want to eat and drink yeah. in a bed. I'll just, I'll stay home. Also, don't eat in bed. I know, don't do that, but I'm just saying. We learned that Kenya didn't go with Janet. Kenya had gotten a ride downtown with two other girls she didn't know very well. Her plan was to meet Janet and some other friends at Lavish, but... She didn't show up. What Janet didn't know is that Kenya and the two other girls couldn't get into the club. The bouncers weren't buying their fake ID cards. So she didn't get into Lavish, and we learned from Keith that Kenya and these other two girls went to a different place. But, like, there was no communication between Kenya and Janet. So, like, they just don't see Kenya that night. Yeah, but we see the photos of Kenya in this other club with her new friends or semi-new friends or whatever. And so Janet... I would be so pissed. If you and I are supposed to go somewhere and you can't get in, can you please at least fucking text me and let me know you're not coming? Yeah, and it's weird because we hear that Kenya... Kenya absolutely would have done that. Yeah. So I don't know if it's like one of those clubs where you don't have service there. Sometimes uh-huh. they don't. I don't. Oh, or, God. or there was some. Or like maybe we know all of this with the new friends because Kenya texted Janet. Like uh-huh. you know, like I'm sure that's what happened, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So they are in touch because Janet and Kenya are texting each other until around like 11:30. Yeah. And then Janet goes home and she's like, "All right, well, Kenya's with these other friends." And Kenya and Janet always check in the next morning. Yes. But when Kenya didn't check in, Janet's like not worried, and this is where we get like you know 10 minutes about how we're responsible Kenya was. Do you ever worry about her, you know, when she went out like that, clubbing and No, she was very smart and everything. She wouldn't take chances. No. No, because though she loved a party, Kenya was known as the responsible one, reliable, ambitious, hardworking, not flaky at all. She wouldn't take a risk like that. She wouldn't go off with a stranger. She wanted to work in production and or criminology. Like, she would have taken over Keith's job. Right, totally. You know what I mean? Like, she had a very strong head on her shoulders. But the thing is, English wasn't even her first language. No, so we we learned that Kenya's mom had moved to the United States from Honduras, and Kenya and her mom were separated for a while. But then Kenya came to join her mom, and in the time that Kenya wasn't here, her mom had gotten married to this guy named Tony Lee, who is so fucking awesome. Yeah. This guy, he's here. He, like, immediately just adopted her as, like, one of his own kids. Kenya's mom and Tony had two other kids already, so Kenya had two sisters she was coming into. They're, this family seems amazing. And they all loved him, and he yeah. said... I always thought about uh, the song from the Brady family, how we all came together and became a, became a family. It was, it was pretty much that was kind of how it worked out, and it clicked from day one. We were kind of like the Brady Bunch. Like, yeah. we all came together yeah. and everything was the best. Like, it wasn't yeah. just a TV show. Like, everything, they all loved each other. And so we also meet Kimberly, who's Kenya's oh little half-sister. And, and Kimberly loves Kenya so much. She's she like, little to- sister? We were yeah. more like twins. Yeah, more like twins. She's like... She was very loving and caring. But, like, she was like my twin. We text each other every day, every morning, every night, throughout school. She would call me sometimes. She would just want to say, I love you. What do you have in common, the two of you? What did you like to do together? We liked music. Um, we liked to watch CSI together. We liked to pick on my little brother together. Well, that, of course. We picked on our little brother together. And Keith's like, well, of course, <laughs> like trying to relate. It's a yeah. very sweet moment. Yeah. They used to watch CSI together and, you yeah. know, they really, really loved each other and they talked constantly. And, you know, if you're Kimberly, like the cool older sister <laughs> yeah, yeah, is yeah, like yeah. treating me like an equal, totally. like, you know, that means everything. Yeah. So we're back to that friend Janet and it's the day after they went clubbing but didn't see each other. So it's April 1st, 2011. April Fool's Day. So one of the girls 
Charles calls Janet and is like, have you heard from Kenya? Just no one knows where Kenya is. And then Keith just comes in. And that's when it all started. Started? Oh, it had more than started for Kenya Monhey. Swallowed up by, well, whatever it was, some dark presence haunting the happy, tipsy streets of Lodo. Yeah, but there was a dark presence lurking in the streets of Lodo. (laughs) Lodo stands for Lower Downtown, by the way. Right. So everyone's in a panic. This isn't like Kenya. Where is she? They're trying yeah. not to be negative about it because they know she's a smart girl. But yeah. poor Janet's blaming herself. Right. And also, so Kenya has a boyfriend. And they're like, what's his deal? And I'm like, and we question. never see him. I'm asking, Where's the boyfriend, by the way? I don't know. But yeah. the boyfriend calls Kimberly, the little sister. And he's like, and he was like, have you seen your sister? And I was like, no. He was like, have you talked to her? And I was like, no. And he was like, well, she's missing. I was like, shut up. Like, this isn't funny. Tell me the truth. Like, where is she? He's like, I'm being serious. You need to call your parents and tell them to call the police and file a missing person report. Hey, Kimberly, it's time to start freaking out, girl. Right. <laughs> and tell everyone else to freak out, too, because no one knows where Kenya is. And Kimberly tells him to shut up. <laughs> She's like, shut up. This isn't funny. And he's like, no, seriously, call your mom. Have your mom, like, call the fucking police. We got to spring into action. We got to find her. And so Tony, the dad, starts calling all of her friends. And no one wants to admit that they were underage out at clubs, to which I say, nobody cares. No, it doesn't matter. It- Like, it is so much bigger than you and your fake ID. And I know that in that moment it means everything, but, like, your friend is missing. No one gives a shit that you are underage. Nobody do this, okay? You now have my permission. If your parents ground you for being out, like, just call me. I will will call your parents, I promise. And also, yeah, like, that's a whole other conversation. And this is where we find out that, like, something went wrong because Kenya left her purse, her ID, and her phone at the bar, which is very unlike her. Like, her keys, her her whole life. And everyone's like, that's... It's a major red flag, yeah. which of course it is. And the next night, one of those girls that she had been with, it, but she didn't know very well, shows up at Kenya's house, like, to return her stuff. And I'm like, did you guys interrogate her for 15 hours? Please tell me that you did. And all we know from this girl is that... Kenya was happily dancing till about 1 o'clock in the morning, she said, with some guy. And then she disappeared. They looked for her, but couldn't find her, she said. And when the bar closed, they took her purse and cell phone and just kind of assumed that Kenya would get home on her own. Somehow. Because they didn't know her that well, they just kind of assumed she'd get home on her own. But they took her stuff, which is, like, at least kind of nice. I guess. Instead of just being like, ah, eh, whatever, she'll come back. Like, getting your stuff back from a bar the next day is the worst. That is very much the worst. But also, like, when you realize that, like, this girl, like, left her phone and her keys, can you try to find her? I know. You know? I know. So, Kenya stops sending texts at 11 p.m. the night she goes missing. Yeah. Oh, also, we're, we're seeing these text messages. Kenya has a friend named Cookie who was home watching Jerry Springer. <laughs> Cookie girl. I know. He's not worth it. No. But the incoming texts went all the way through the next morning, of course. The boyfriend, friends, the parents. So now it's the next day. Yeah. And it's 7 o'clock at night the next day. And the phone that, like, the dad has gets a text. And the text says, This is Travis, the guy in the creepy white van, smiley face. Did you get home okay? So I gotta say, from, like, the Travis guy, this seems like a nice thing. Like, if if you're just, like, some random guy who, like, dropped her off at home or whatever, and you're following up, like, that seems like a good thing. Let me tell you something. Yeah. Don't make jokes about the white creepy van. Okay. It's not funny. Because <laughs> oh that's, like, a kidnap rape van. I know. So don't yeah, make yeah, a yeah. joke about, like, you know how it was a creepy... Like, that's a weird... That's uh-huh. a weird vibe well, if you like somebody. Well, it like something she would have said. Like, well, I'm not gonna get in your weird creepy kidnap van. And yeah. he's like, I'm just gonna drive you home. And then he did. Yeah. Is what it sounds like. Sure. You know? I don't like and it. I'm like, who's Travis? Why aren't you 
you here, girl? I'm looking for the. I'm looking for her boyfriend. Why isn't he here? Right. Where the fuck is this Travis? Well, guy Keith to? has the same question. He goes, Travis. I know. Who's <laughs> Travis? To really just like gently wade uh-huh. us into the commercial. I'm like, could you have been a little more gentle at the top of the episode? I know. Oh my before god. Before you gave us all that information. So Papa Tony is calling this guy Travis and leaving him messages. This guy Travis is not calling back. Oh, and then Papa Tony tries to file a police report and once again we're told it's too soon. Too soon. What on earth? Too soon. So now it's two days after Kenya goes missing and Travis calls. Where you been, Travis? He has a whole story. (laughs) His story to Papa Tony, which I love that nickname, by the way, Yeah, yeah, yeah. is, look, Kenya was super drunk and he, out of the goodness of his heart, do you need any help? So she got in my van is a sentence that Travis willingly said. Travis told Kenya's dad that as he was driving her home, she asked to stop at a gas station for cigarettes. But there, something strange happened. She met another guy who said he'd take her home. And so said Travis, he left him there. And now Kenya's like, thanks, creepy guy in the white van. I want this guy to take me home. This Bye. creepy guy, this yeah. new guy. Yeah. And Tony, Papa Tony looks right at us and he goes, And I got off the phone and I thought to myself, that is the most fantastic story I've ever heard. Not one word of what he told me made any sense to me. Not a single word made any sense. It was all bullshit. This is ridiculous. So Papa Tony calls the police to report this whole fucking story. You would think this would be enough. Let's go look at this guy, right? would it be enough? Right. Well, the cops were like, sorry, girl, still too early. So Tony takes matters into his own hands. He calls Travis back, and he's got like a million questions. Where did you meet her? Where is this gas station? He names the gas station. He's like, why don't I meet you there? I'll show you where it is. So far, Travis is on the good list. Right. And Tony's like, that sounds amazing. I'll see you there, buddy. Tony hangs up the phone, (laughs) Grabs his gun and drives to the gas station while Maria, his wife, and Kenya's mother calls 911. Because she's calling 911 on her own husband. Like, he's mad, he's he's scared, he's mad, he's scared, he's confused, he's got a gun. gun. Who is Travis? What's going on? She begged him not to go, but he's like, not only am I going, I'm taking my fucking revolver. I'm assuming it's a revolver. Right, so the cops listen to Maria. Finally, because now there's a gun involved. Right, and so because she called 911, the cops were there, and they did most of the talking. But Travis- At the gas station. So Tony and Travis meet up at the gas station. The cops are already there because now there's a gun involved. And Keith is like, Papa Tone, like, what's going on with right. Travis? And he was like, I got to tell you, just your run-of-the-mill, mediocre white guy. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm just going to say, he's like, he's very thin, blonde hair, blue eyes, good-looking guy. My first impression of him was, you know, looks decent enough guy. If you're going to have somebody pick up your kid, you know, and help him out, you know. Seemed like a nice guy. Yeah. He's a thin, blonde hair, blue-eyed, good-looking guy. Nope. Redacted, redacted, He redacted. said it, not me. He said it, not me. Who said it? Keith? <laughs> no, Tony says it. Tony calls him good-looking at one point. I heard mediocre white guy. Weird <laughs> how that selective listening. So Travis tells the cops, who do most of the talking here, yeah. the exact same story, almost word for word, that he tells Papa Tony about the gas, you know, the new guy and all the stuff. And we've heard in other cases that like when you have a story and the, mm-hmm. all the details are exactly the same every time you tell it that is suspicious. If you're saying the same phrases and wording. Or even the exact same like times and locations yeah. in the right order because they're like nobody really remembers that. You know right. what I mean? That sounds like a rehearsed thing that you've memorized. God we can't win because what if you did remember? But then just don't murder people. Then, we'll, then, then you'll be right. fine. Oh well actually no that you won't be fine. Who knows? Anyway. <laughs> 
<laughs> but the cops are like we're all fucked all the time all, constantly it's all Queen bad. Kathleen Zellner is like one of you is going to jail for a murder you didn't commit there's n- nothing you can do about it's it it's happening to someone right now right good night and yeah, I'm like oh god <laughs> so the cops are like they don't like the story either yeah but they have nothing to hold Travis on so the cops just walk away and Tony tells us a story that Travis like sidles up to Tony like, and it's like, like crying this, the, the scene is they're at this gas station where Kenya was last seen supposedly yeah her dad Tony is there with Travis the cops are like we don't like that story, but we will leave the two of you to finish this conversation. They With the fail. gun. There's a gun here, but There's we're leaving. There's a gun here. Yeah. We were called here for the gun. We're yeah. all goodbye. <laughs> so then Travis and Tony keep talking, and Travis is now hysterical crying. Yeah. I should have done more. I said I'd take care of her, and I'm like, you barely knew her. You were giving her a ride home. Now you're just like, you you should have taken better care of her. Well, but then there's this like amazing moment where Travis like shakes Tony's hand, and Tony doesn't know who to believe or what. He's like not sure about this Travis guy. I stuck my hand out and said, appreciate it. And we shook hands. And when I shook his hand, it was as if an earthquake was going on under his feet. And it was only in my hand that I could feel his arm wasn't shaking, his body wasn't shaking, there was no quivering. But I felt that shake and I looked at him. And I knew that I was shaking the hand of the last person that seen Kenya alive. There was no doubt in my mind. I knew it at that instant. At that moment, I knew he was the last person to see Kenya, and I knew she was dead. So now, the family's searching for her, on the news, flyers everywhere, trying to find her no matter what. And then we meet Nash the cop. Detective Nash is here, and I love him. Keith is like... To say Detective Gurley is imposing is perhaps an understatement. Looks more like a character from The Sopranos, but hates when children go missing. To say he's imposing is an understatement. And I'm like, this guy? (laughs) I... I know! Right? I know! He doesn't look that scary, but you know what? Maybe when he stands up, he's like nine feet tall. Maybe, and you know? we'll never know. Yeah, totally. Uh, we also meet Carrie Lombardi, who's the district attorney, and she's like, time is of the essence? I, we really... Mm-mm. I know. Carrie is amazing. She's, I love her. She's the one who's going to lead the charge where it's like, what do you mean it's too soon? I know. She went missing five seconds ago. Let's get on it. But so is Nash. Nash has this whole thing where he's like, I hate when kids go missing, and yeah. I was determined to bring her home. Like, these two, Carrie and Nash, are very invested in finding Kenya. And they're also super focused on Travis, right? Yes. So yeah. his name is Travis Forbes, he's 31 years old. He has a record, some like petty theft, some drug charges. But now he's a, he owns his own business, baking and delivering gluten-free granola bars. He can't be bad. You have your hearts in your eyes because they're goddamn gluten-free. I know. Okay. You guys, he was a, a kid that got in trouble a lot, and now he's trying to find himself. He's making and delivering gluten-free granola bars. Right. So we meet Monica Poole. So Monica owns Monica's this not fucking around either. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she doesn't even know how much she's not fucking around. Like, she says stuff, and I'm like, oh, my God, Monica. She would be no fun to hang out with, but she's awesome. She's uh, she's never telling the story again. She's never telling the story once. again. She probably doesn't drink enough. Like, she just, she, like, lives for her business or whatever. Yep. Like, she's very focused on it and, like, doesn't have a lot of close friends. But, like, when some shit goes down, she's the one you want around because she remembers everything. <laughs> well, it's not the best story because what happens yeah. is, yeah. like, I understand why she doesn't want to tell it because she owns this bakery and Travis was renting space at her bakery. And she's like, you know, yeah, Keith, just a mediocre white guy seemed pretty fine, pretty totally. harmless. And he's making gluten for granola bars. Like, he's, he, you he's know. Trying. He's trying. He's trying. <laughs> so Travis... Which is a company you can only have in Denver, by the way. <laughs> 1,000%. So Travis... We were just in Denver. I thought it was a very beautiful city. I can't wait to go back. Great. But gluten-free granola bars. Yeah. Like, that's a place where you don't have to work. Can I get them gluten-free? <laughs> oh, just go to Denver. You can get them out the wazoo gluten-free. Actually, they don't have regular <laughs> granola bars in Denver. Granola. Like, Denver. Denver's going to Denver. I know. So Travis comes into work one day. He's like, Monica. He said, I gave some girl a ride home, and she's missing, and she's gone. And I thought, wow, that's... 
kind of strange, whatever. Monica's like, oh, he's really worried about this. Uh-huh. Like, he, maybe he can help the cops. So the cops come, they pick up Travis, yeah. they bring him down for questioning. We got, we see it. We see the interrogation. And they're like, he's a talker. He's Big talker. talker. But he tells the same story. He's like, you know, I brought her to the gas station. There was another guy in there. They're arm in arm. They're speaking Spanish to each other. They walked off. I went home. And, you know, he's like, I once again feeling like sad, like he should have done more for her. And he's like, look, I totally would have done something if I felt any weirdness, but I thought it was all good. And so, but like. So- Nash believes him. Nash is like, I got to tell you, I believe this kid. And he the- makes gluten-free granola bars. Yeah, he's really trying his best. Yeah. But then he has some girlfriend of his who's an alibi, supposedly. So they so let him go. We never meet this girlfriend. But Travis's story is that he goes to his girlfriend's house at night. He's with her all night. And like the girlfriend comes in and corroborates the alibi. Right. And then. Who is this person? Who is she? Yeah. She comes back later. Can I have you, words Can for you her. guess what's going to happen here, you guys? Like, <laughs> and then Nash is like. What about that mysterious man Travis said he left Kenya with at the gas station? We couldn't find him. He was gone. We send out bulletins, we put it on the news, and we didn't get anybody to come forward and say, yeah, I know this guy. Radio silence in Denver, you guys. Right, and while Nash is like, yeah, but he makes gluten-free granola bars, D.A. Kerry is the woman doing the fucking work because she's like, yeah, you worry about the gluten-free granola. Have a nice little play date. She gets a warrant. (laughs) Have a nice little play date. Yeah, he's so charming. He's a real talker. Great. Uh, Let me do the work, please. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She gets a warrant for the white van because he really did drive this creepy white van. And meanwhile, I feel like Nash is like me. He's like chomping on the gluten-free granola bars. As they open the door, they're like, whoa, that shit stinks like bleach. Oh, my God. I mean, it was dripping off the ceiling. When you spray something like on a ceiling, yeah. a roof, and you spray it so much it drips down, that's how much bleach he sprayed on this van. He was determined to erase something. Everything. That's a real bad look, Travis. Real, real bad, bad look. look. Yeah. And then they're like, well, got to take this fucking van apart. Yeah. They rip it apart. And they don't find anything that they can use inside, but they, under the van, like in the tire treads or whatever, they find weeds and gravel. So it shows that the van had been like driven off the road. And because of this, like all the bleach, I'm sure, just gets them more of a warrant. Or yeah. Carrie was doing it. She was doing all the work. <laughs> she, she, Carrie didn't need the bleach. She, she, was, like, she was doing it, yeah. She's like, I'm DA Carrie. Thanks right. so much. They're like, oh God, whatever you need, whatever you need. It's like when Miranda Priestly comes in from, they're oh like, gird your loins. <laughs> Fucking Carrie needs shit done. So they get the cell phone records. Yeah. And they learn that Travis was making and getting calls in Keensburg, which is a super, super rural area, 40 miles northeast of Denver. But it's the night that he says he was with Kenya. Like, after this, quote, gas station stop, he's in this town called Keensburg, 40 miles east of Denver for three and a half hours. And Keith is like, long enough to do something, potentially dispose of a body. Absolutely. Long enough to bury a body. Yeah, right? Right. And I'm like, yes. And Keith also says, not exactly on his granola bar route. Well, right, because what (laughs) happens is, we get back, there's more shade about the granola bars, I hate to tell you. Because now the cops are... Keith wouldn't like me. I don't think that Keith Morrison would like me very much. I don't think much. he'd like me either. I don't know. I don't think he's got a lot of time for anybody at this no. point. But I do think he has a good sense of humor. Totally. He appreciates the Bill Hader-ness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I yeah. feel like he kind of gets... It's like, Keith, you write that copy. Right. You perform it the way you... Do. <laughs> episode one of Dateline does not sound like episode no. whatever of Dateline. Yes. You're leaning into it. I'm 100%. You brought this on yourself. Right. <laughs> so, you know, we have surveillance video from the bakery. Yeah. And then Keith's like... It did show Travis Forbes doing a lot more than baking granola bars. 
Shows a lot more than Travis baking granola bars. Because here's what's happening. In the days before Kenya went missing, Monica, who has no time and takes no shit from anybody, yep. realizes that like somebody is stealing money from the cash register. Right. And so she owns the bakery. Travis yeah. is renting space. So she immediately installs cameras. So she goes to see. She's like, I'm going to go look and see who's been taking money from the cash register. And when she does that, she realizes that the camera's been unplugged. And Monica, the genius, is like, well, maybe the person is on the tape pulling the plug. Like, I mean- maybe... I can maybe if I go back and she was right and guess who it is it's fucking Travis shocking to nobody shocking we see him unplug it what a fucking dummy and so Monica rewinds the tape even more and Travis isn't stealing no he's cleaning so Travis is wearing these like you know those like the the, big yellow cleaning gloves like the stereotypical that everyone has like yeah and I'm like hey genius you pull the plug on the camera before it records you cleaning for two hours in the middle of the fucking night. So Monica calls the cops. The cops get the video. They go back even farther. But we also see the granola cooler. I know. <laughs> You're going to go right over the granola cooler? Is that your drag name? <laughs> he tapes it shut with black duct tape. Yeah. Puts it in the freezer in the bakery. Again, to which I say, oh, no. But this is what the cops see. They see him with this big... It looks like a styrofoam beach cooler, but huge. Right. Big enough to put a body in, is right. what I'm saying. And it is duct taped closed, and he's wheeling it into the freezer. And the cops are like, did he use the freezer a lot, Monica? And she's like... The police asked me, did he store the cooler in the freezer? And I said, no. He never puts it in the freezer. It has granola bars in it. They don't need to be frozen. So that just seemed really strange. Granola doesn't need to be frozen. No. She's You can see the pieces of the puzzle coming in. Again, no fun at a party, Monica. Right. So, she's the one who shows up with like the fake wine. Oh, oh, Monica. But if she's drinking that, like good for you. If you're yeah, drinking your own yeah, O'Doul's, like great. Saying, but like if you're coming to my house, bring like real wine and a bottle of vodka. Oh, empty handed is the worst. I imagine. Know. Oh. I know. Because she's not staying long. Yeah. You came to my house, my new place for the first time the other night and you brought me a bottle of scotch. That's how you do it, America. Well, at 16. Yeah. What are you, crazy? You come to my house, you bring me a bottle of scotch. So remember, the the granola cooler and the footage and yeah. the cleaning and all that. This is two days after Kenya has gone missing. Yeah, and so they they say to the employees, that kind of hot, like, weird guy, Travis, has he been doing anything else shady around here? They're like, do you mean, like, burning stuff in a barrel in the alleyway? Right. Like, that kind of weird? <laughs> the cops are like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly. And then Monica's like, hey, that's my oil barrel. What is it doing at the other end of the alley? But thankfully, it's still there. Why does Monica have an oil barrel? I mean, probably for... Baking for things? baking, I get. Monica would also not be great on like the Great British Baking Show. No, she'd get real serious yeah, about totally. it. Everyone's just trying to have a nice time in the tent, you know. Come on, and Monica. So Travis is like. Travis claimed he was using it to burn some moldy marijuana. You guys, that barrel. I was just burning some moldy weed. He's that's like burning all. skunky weed. Like, Come on, Travis. Nothing to see here. Yeah. And everyone in Denver is like. <gasps> I know. <laughs> so of course there's no DNA on the barrel, right? But I also love that Nash is like, look, he's says he was burning skunky weed. Who knows what he was doing? But you know what, you guys? People do weird things in their normal life. How do we know that he's just not a weird guy? And I was like, you know what? That actually also tracks to Nash. <sighs> Seeing it from all sides, Nash. I stopped everything at the cleaning. I know. And the unplugging the camera. I know. And like the body-sized cooler that Granola he's wheeling cooler. into the freezer that's duct taped close. Also, like you guys obviously her her body is in there, like spoiler oh, alert. We God. see people walking past him while like there's other people there while he's it is. They're a baking level, stuff. I they're, guess. they're like they're baking, baking stuff shit. and like feeding people. Yes. 
So now we see some like local news interview with Travis. Travis. You're doing the thing with your hands and your eyes. What's happening? Travis in his infinite wisdom. I know. Voluntarily goes on the news. But he like does this interview like in a convenience store. It's at the bakery. (laughs) Oh, is it? And and he's like, he's talking about how surreal it is. She was just in my car and the reporter's like, you want to talk about surreal? So he's going on and on and on. And the reporter's like, since you're a person of interest, let me ask you this. Did you do something with her? No. Did you kidnap her? No. Did you sexually assault her? I did not. Did you murder her? I did not. No. The reporter keeps asking questions, and you can see Travis in real time in this footage start to understand what a terrible idea this was to invite this reporter who's like, you invited me, dude. You're a person of interest. Did you kill her? Did you think I wasn't going to ask you? And then, remember how like he knew he was saying the same times, the same phrases, he knew everything? He suddenly cannot remember Kenya's name. He's like, um, what's her name? Kenya. Kenya, yeah. Oh, God, what's her name? What was her name? And the reporter's like, Kenya? Yeah, that makes you look more guilty, girl. You and know to, what I mean? To be, you're, you called the news because you were so distressed about what happened, yeah. and you can't believe you let this horrible thing happen to this person you yeah. knew for five minutes, yeah. and you don't know her phone. Fu- you spoke to her dad, right. and you don't know her. She's, like, she's in your phone? Right. You don't know her name? <laughs> yeah. And so Tony the dad. Oh God, here we go again, you guys. Tony the dad sees this, and he's like, that's it. I'm talking to him again. He's like, I get the gun. He's like, I'm getting my gun. I'm going out to see this guy. I'm going to talk about the interview. And the mom, again, is frantically screaming oh and crying God. on her knees, literally praying that he doesn't go this time. And I said, a little bit of a dramatic family. I see a little bit of myself in Tony. The minute anything <laughs> goes wrong with Day, I, I you know. got an email that you didn't like the tone of from Daisy's I, school and all hell broke loose. So just imagine the drama in that apartment if something horrible would I ever I never happen. imagined myself as a gun owner, but now that you mention it, I really didn't like the tone of that email. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying guns would be involved, but someone yeah. would be on their knees crying and begging. <laughs> you can't deny that. No. But oh Papa God. Tony listened to Maria and he stayed home. Yes. So, you know, they're saying... We had a lot of conversations and we did a lot of warrants. You know, we're pouring through um, phone records and, you know, they continued to interview people constantly. And we just were waiting for the one thing, something we could arrest him with. Everyone is like, it's definitely this guy, but we just don't have enough to get him. So we're like waiting for him to fuck up. We're waiting for like that one piece of evidence that we can actually use to arrest this guy. But first they have to find him because remember like in the middle of that TV interview where he's like, oh shit, this was a terrible idea. He bails. I know. And Detective Nash is freaking out. He's calling everyone. His wife's involved. His wife is saying that like you're waking up in the middle of the night saying their names and Keith goes, you're obsessed, tenacious. You were obsessed. And he goes, tenacious. <laughs> and of course, Kenya's family is also a mess over this. Imagine yeah. seeing that on the news and then he's gone. You're just screaming at the cops to do something. But you, he's also, and everyone else is like, he's dangerous. Like, we think he probably murdered this young woman. Like, he's dangerous. Right. And so nothing's happening in the case. And two weeks later, out of the clear blue sky, the Denver cops get a call from Texas. And yeah. I ask you, what is this music? It's like an 80s training video for wannabe tough guys. I'm like, what is this how they do it down in Texas? I love is- how much you pay attention to the music in these episodes. Because I either really love it. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Or it feels like, where did you get this from? Right. What was your motivation for this? I just have questions. So apparently Travis borrowed a car from the ex-girlfriend. Not his alibi? Not his alibi. But when he didn't return the car, she calls the cops. You like, guys, you fucking when- idiot. He stole a car from an ex-girlfriend who clearly doesn't like him and then crossed state lines. Like, I what know. an idiot. I know. And then, and then we learned that, like, he only got caught because he just didn't look right to a local Texas cop. A policeman in Austin, with a little time on his hands, decided to check up on an out-of-state license plate he just happened to notice and discovered first the report for the missing car and then Travis Ford. 
date plates that suspicious? Because even Keith's like, there was a cop with some free time on his hands who uh, just, like, didn't like the looks of the license plate. And it's weird because we are going to learn that, like, Travis is a weird dude and he does weird shit. So he probably was acting kind of strange or something. And also, I should, I'm just thinking about it. I should go back. I couldn't be happier about the dumb criminals. Right. Do do all the fuck ups. I'm just saying, like, to steal your girlfriend's car and then drive over. It's just, like, great. Everyone should do that. That's actually a great idea, everybody. 100%. So because the car has been reported stolen, Nash gets on a plane and they're able to get a search warrant for his DNA because now he's like, I don't know, wanted for whatever. Right. And this is the beginning of us learning that like Nash and Travis have like a relationship. They have this odd dynamic yeah. because Nash is like, he's a talker and Travis is like a narcissist and yes. just likes yes. telling his story. So Nash and Travis are talking and Travis is like, Did you do anything now? No. Did you hurt? No. We never touched. At all. Not even a hug. And I usually hug people. I didn't even hug her, which is weird because I'm a hugger. <laughs> I have gluten-free granola. I'm a hugger, Nash. So I didn't even do that. But also I'm like all broken up about like. And, but then he says to like he really needs this Nash guy to like him. And yeah. that is his downfall. Yeah. He says totally. to Nash, like, what do you think of me? And Nash is like. If he asked me a question, I gave him an honest answer. One of the questions he asked me in one of the interviews that I did with him, he said, what do you think of me? I said, I think you're a creep. I think you're a jerk. I think you think you're a monster. And How do you respond to that? He just looked at me and he said, yeah, you're probably right. He said, am I a psychopath or a sociopath? What? Like, isn't that you admitting to being a fucking murderer? Yeah, like, why do you think I did this? Like, what yeah. is it? Like, let's talk more about me. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then he shuts up because the minute they ask Travis if he had sex with Kenya, yeah. he drops the magic word, lawyer. Yeah. But they had that DNA warrant, so they do test his DNA. They test his DNA, and they get him extradited to Colorado. Like, Nash is really fucking focused on getting this guy. So they extradite him to Colorado because Nash wants to know where he is, and he wants to have access to him. And, and like, Colorado and Texas are like, great, take him off our hands. And they also, they're like, fuck the car there's a murder like we also want to get him on the murder but then get this mm-hmm. that ex-girlfriend that he stole the car from finds out that he's in jail in Colorado so the cops can have access to him and because this woman believes his story she's dropping the charge on the car so he can get out all they're holding him on is that car charge right. and she's like well fuck that I think he's a good guy there's no way he could have done this murder I'm dropping the charges so you have to let him go girl and so now Travis in my opinion who is a murderer right. is now walking the streets <laughs> but the thing is they tail him. Yes. So and this is very smart. They really are doing like the right thing here. They're like, this guy really is a fucking murderer. We're going to keep eyes on him. And they have surveillance on him anywhere he goes. And where does Travis go? He goes back to that small rural town 40 miles outside of Denver. He goes there en route to driving to his hometown of Fort Collins, which I, I know about Fort Collins because it's where Matthew Shepard like lived before he moved to Laramie. Yeah. Like that's the town that he grew up in. And we found out he was going to go to Fort Collins and stay with his dad. Fort Collins is a college town. And it has a lot of young women there, and they like to party. Yeah, I was worried. Full of women who like to party? I didn't like that. Yeah, what he's trying to say is that it's like a young college party town, and there are, like, young women he can prey on, right? So the thing is, like, he's out and about. Like, they're still surveilling him. And And it's been months. It's July 1st. Kenny's been missing for three months. Yeah, and he's, like, out and about in Fort Collins. There's, like, a downtown area where all the bars are, and the Denver cops are tailing him as he's, like, going out down there one night. And what he's doing is... This is bananas. He's, like, barely going. He's such a fucking loser. He's so... 
many yeah. things, but yeah. he's a loser. Yeah. He's like a 31-year-old in a college town. Like, he's yeah. obviously there to prey on innocent women. And he's not even going into the bars. He's got like a bottle of whiskey that he's got like in his fucking coat or something. And he's like waiting outside of bars getting hammered by himself. It's very insane. And he's being belligerent. He's yeah. jumping on cars. He's literally screaming for attention. Yeah, and the local cops who don't know that he's being surveilled, they have to pull him aside and be like, can you settle fucking down? Fort Collins police, unaware that Travis was the subject of a Denver investigation, pulled him aside there in the bar district, had a little talk with him. Nothing serious, no charges, just conversation. After they finished contact with him, our detectives go up and say, hey, we're watching him. He's a person of interest on our case. So they just talk to him, no charges, whatever. So now Denver is like, like pulling up to Fort Collins <laughs> yeah. saying, Fort Collins, girl, that guy you were just talking to, he's more than just a yeah. drunk clown. He's yeah. definitely a drunk clown, but yeah, he's but, more right. than that. We want him for murder. So just like FYI. Yeah, just so if, you fucking know. If you know. And so after that, like Travis is kind of spooked by the Fort Collins cops. Yeah. Because he keeps a low profile. But he doesn't know the Denver cops are there. But because of this low profile, the Denver cops are like, we can't just keep spending money and resources on this. Like, we got to move on. So this is July 1st, okay? Now, three days later on July 4th, yeah, we hear a story that is so horrifying, I don't even know where to start. We're kind of back to the beginning where, like, we met that woman in the ICU. This is the story of how she got there. There is a huge fire in this apartment complex, and they're just like, it's. it was so big and so hot, you could see this fire, like, for blocks. And inside the home where this fire is happening is a woman named mm-hmm. Lydia Tillman, and they say that... She- She had been beaten severely and had jumped out the second story window to escape the fire. Crew got there. They found her in the backyard and she stood up and ran straight to the ambulance and got in the back. Whoever did this to her did not think that she would live. Like they thought that they were going to die. They left her to die in the apartment. And then she has a massive stroke in the hospital because her body had been through so much and then through sheer force of will gets out with no clothes on, by the way, jumps out of the window. And Jacqueline Shackley is the Fort Collins detective and she's here and she's like, she's she's got no time for anything. She's describing the state of Lydia's body as though she had been in a high-speed car crash. God. And and Esther's here, too, and Esther's Lydia's sister. And she says, you know, like... She was unrecognizable when I first saw her. I couldn't believe it was her. I would look at her, and nothing looked like her. And then she has a tattoo on her calf. I knew it was her. So Detective Jacqueline's like, we called everyone Lydia ever met. Yeah. And so then she goes, crickets were chirping. Crickets were chirping? Crickets were chirping. It was a whodunit. Crickets were chirping? And she's like, crickets were chirping. (laughs) But she's saying that, like, this crime was so personal. It had to be somebody she knew. That's why we called everybody she knew. It had to be somebody that she knew. And then at the scene, everything was burnt to a crisp, but it was bleached for Jesus. Yes. Like, you could smell it over the smoke. Yeah. Which is a really big deal. And I'm like, didn't Travis bleach the shit out of his van? Yeah, let's pay attention to that. We also find out that there was DNA found under Lydia's fingernails. So that's an important thing to remember. But three... Three days after this attack, Detective Jacqueline learns about the guy that had been acting up in Fort... Like, the this drunk is, clown. Yeah, the, this is Fort Collins. And they're like, oh, yeah, also there was this crazy drunk clown acting up in Fort Collins. Also, that guy is under surveillance by the Denver cops because he's wanted for a murder down there. And she's like, you know what? We had nowhere else to look, so we're going to look at that guy because maybe it's a shot in the dark, but let's see. And she doesn't even know about the bleached van. That's right. all I can think yeah, about. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. the minute she gets on the phone with Nash, they're yeah. going to be like, oh my God, what the fuck? And that's exactly what <laughs> yeah, happens. Like, was there a... Was there a, This is a long shot. Was there like a smell of bleach? by any chance and they're like oh my god yes so they both have chills they're like okay this has to be the guy right now she's like I got DNA from his mouth and she's like and we needed that obviously quickly to compare it to what had been collected from 
Lydia Tillman when she was transported to the hospital. Cause but she had been sprayed with bleach and every other, and she'd been burned. I mean, was there actually yeah. any DNA left? There actually was. It was. It was pretty amazing. It's amazing how resilient DNA is. Because the thing is, Travis has been free for three months, yeah. right? And they need evidence against him because this happened to Lydia yeah. because there wasn't evidence for Kenya. Right, so, like, right, when right. you oh, when that comes together, you're just like, please, 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 please hurry up with yeah. this. Because he's a danger. He's yeah. a threat. So they send out the DNA that was under Lydia's fingernails and what they got from Travis's mouth. Mm-hmm. And it's sent out on a Friday. And they want to fucking get this guy. Because, you know, it's the weekend is coming. The women we know in Fort Collins are loose and like to party. What? And they're like, we got to get this guy off the street so we need to get this done as quickly as possible yeah and so while they're waiting Jacqueline says oh Keith real quick I don't know what the fuck it is about this guy with bleach yeah but like he has an obsession with bleach she says because she finds other girlfriends yes and they were like oh my god girl the bleach yes. like yes. he was always cleaning his house with bleach like it just made me think of like what other things was he cleaning up after right like, and even at the very end they allude to other potential victims like oh my god for the girlfriends to be like that bleach thing oh my god <laughs> I finally know. I can talk about it with somebody. What a weird thing for someone to remember about it's you. You know so, what I mean? Yeah, I mean, or what a weird thing to do that anybody would remember. You and know like, what I mean? just be cool, guy. But yeah, also, yeah. criminals keep being stupid. I love it so much. <laughs> Thank you. So they learn their lesson. They have eyes on Travis now while they're waiting for the DNA. Yeah, they're surveilling him all weekend. And so he's not going into any bars, but he's doing the same thing. He's like walking around with a bottle of whiskey. Keith's like trolling around and they're like, yeah. And he's so fucking stupid that he doesn't even think that that the, the cops would have eyes on him. So he starts following this Ugh. woman home. Like, you guys, these women who will never know, their lives were saved yes. by Lydia and Kenya. Like yes. And they never even know that they were being followed. 1,000%. Because like the first time they see him following a woman that night that one of the cops like grabs him and like basically they're like we gotta get this guy away from her they ask him his name he says Travis Kennedy so he gives a false name and then like he's so stupid that the, even that doesn't spook him enough to just go the fuck home right. he follows another woman <sighs> and I'm like I under I know laws but like right. <laughs> is any does anyone want to get this guy like, you know, like though, if this were a movie he would find a way to like get away from them and still kill somebody that night right. but they see that he's following another woman and they're like we gotta get this guy off the street tonight they're like, this guy's too much of a danger. We got to figure out a way to get him off the street. So they ended up arresting him for false reporting, for giving a false name. Imagine you're Travis and you're like, what? Right. So they get him, right? Yeah. And they're like, they can only hold him for a, a very small amount of time because it's a misdemeanor yeah. and they don't have anything. And me and Jacqueline and everyone's yeah. just like, where the fuck is this DNA? Oh like, my God. We, you know, we know the lab techs are staying up all night working on this thing. Like, oh my God, we got to get this before they can let him out. And Travis is out. It's like TikTok Monday at 10.30 p.m. Like yeah. he is scheduled to just walk out among us. Yeah. And 10.29 basically. Yeah. Yeah, 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 And yeah. Jacqueline is like, we have a hit. Wow. <sighs> yes. The man who attacked Lydia Tillman was, the DNA confirmed, Travis Forbes. It was the biggest adrenaline dump ever. And of course, I called Detective Gouray in tears. We did it. He's he's charged. He's He's in jail. He's not getting out. But to be clear, they still don't have like a connection to Kenya, but they have the mouth swab that they got from Travis is the same DNA as the person who attacked Lydia. Right. So the cops are relieved yeah. that they know like where he is now. <laughs> like yeah. they have him. They have him on the DNA. Yeah. And they want to know what happened to Kenya. And I'm like, I want to know that also, but I have more questions. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? And like, why did you do this to Lydia? Yeah. And like, why exactly do you hate women so much? Yeah, yeah, and what yeah, are yeah. these white mediocre guys so mad about all I the know, time? I know. Why are they so mad? Like the way he just hates women. It's yeah. like, 
like, and he doesn't like Detective Jacqueline either. Yeah, like, he just he hates women. He will only talk to Nash. He's got, like, a crush on Nash. So, so, like, Kenya's family decides they just want the closure. Tony, the dad, is like, he's going to be in prison for the rest of his life because what he did to Lydia, fine. We just, like, make whatever fucking deal you need to make with this piece of shit to help us find Kenya's body and have the closure for the family. Right. So Travis is now charged with attempted murder. They have him, right? Yeah, yeah. And now because Travis is like, well, like, here we are. He must have been a shock to Travis that Lydia was alive. What do you mean attempted murder? Yeah, but, you know what I mean? Wait, what? So Nash shows up and Nash is like so good at this because he fucking hates this guy, but he's going to play the game for a minute. And so, you know, they get another DNA sample from Travis. Mm-hmm. Like Travis, who hasn't said a word to anybody, all of a sudden is fucking chatting to Nash. They're talking about philosophy, books, religion. He goes, what's up, Nash? Yeah. yeah. And you what's hear up, him, you hear him say it. So eventually, yeah, they're talking about, you know, politics and whatever. And eventually Nash is like, all right, cut the shit, Travis. Yeah, he's like, fuck this. I'm fucking out of here. If you're not going to give me information, I'm out of here. And he's like, I've been here a long time, Travis. I'm done. I'm done playing chess with you. I said, you know, you moved one way. I move another way. I said, I'm coming for you. I'm telling you that. I said, the next time you see me, I'll be charging you for murder. I said, what do you want out of this? I will not to go to prison without being labeled as a sex offender. I do not want to go to prison as a sex offender. Do not label me as a sex offender. Because as we it's all so know... It's so weird that he knows enough to know how bad that would be for But I, what, I, what I was going to say is like, everyone knows that being a sex offender in prison is a fate worse than death. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Travis, for some reason, is trying to get ahead of it. That's all he wants is that he doesn't want the death penalty and he doesn't want anyone to know he's a sex offender. Yeah. So Nash is like, let me get this straight. You're going to give me everything I need to know about Kenya if we make that happen for you. Because I can make that happen for you, but I don't trust you. And Nash is like, Travis, you're going to fuck me up this, right? Are you totally going to fuck me? And Travis is like, no, I'm not going to fuck you on this. Like, no way. And so everyone agrees they just need to make it official. Yeah. Again, he's going to confess to murder without a body. Yeah. And, like, no one has seen anything like this, right? So Nash is out celebrating. He goes on vacation with his wife. Yeah, a nice long weekend. Bring, bring. Nash, you're right. He fucked you on it. (laughs) Well, I think, like, any attorney would be like, you did what for what, They don't have a body? Wait, girl. Girl, girl. I can talk you down. We can do the insanity thing. There are ways to work around this. What are you talking about? Oh, my God. This goes nowhere because he says he's like, he takes it back. But then a minute later, he's like, no, 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 never mind, never mind, never mind. (laughs) But what happens is Nash and his wife go on the vacation anyway. Yeah. They get this call that he retracted the retraction, whatever. And they go out. And in my head, his wife was like, Nash, I'm not losing this fucking deposit. (laughs) We haven't done so much as going out for pizza in six months. (laughs) We're going to the Fort Collins B&B. God damn it. I'm not losing that deposit. I'm going to read my real simple magazine. I've been saving it for a month month. Yeah. I'm not losing it. Stop it. Her name is Barbara for sure. Bar- for yeah. sure. So while they're like hopefully having a lovely time and Nash he's isn't not, getting yelled he's not at sleeping, too much. He's not eating. He's super grumpy. Right. So then he retracts the retraction and Keith's like Sometimes taking a weekend away is quite profitable. Yes. <laughs> Like, my theory is that Travis couldn't handle the silence. He wanted the attention. He yeah. wanted a reaction. He yeah. didn't get one from Nash. Nash was like, bye, girl. Yeah. I'm not losing that deposit. Yeah, for better sure. or worse, I'm going to Fort Collins b and not going to look. Look, you've never been in trouble like you've been in trouble with Barbie. You think going to jail as a sex offender is bad? You think that Real Simple doesn't have, like, great organization ideas in it? She's been saving it. She's reading it on the goddamn beach, okay? So the deal is no death penalty, no sex crime charges. Travis will give a complete confession 
and he'll bring them to Kenya's body, which is really what her family wants. And again, nobody believes he'll actually do. Right. You know? So it's September 2011. He's in the car with Jacqueline and Nash, and they're chatting, much to Jacqueline's surprise, because he hates women and hates her. Yeah. And, like, surprise to nobody, he's taking them to that town called Keensburg, where he was for three and a half hours the night that Kenya went missing. Super World. It has, like, 500 people in it. Yeah. And, and again, everyone's like, he's not actually going to do this. He's not actually going to take us to the body. But they pull off at the side of the road where he says to he gets out of the car and Jacqueline is like he got out of the car and um, his whole demeanor changed and he let out this scream just this blood curdle it made me jump I wasn't expecting it at all so they go to the tree where they say that she is and they dig and they find human remains they find yeah. human remains in the spot where he said Kenya was buried and they call the family and they're like look we found human remains mm-hmm. where he said that they would be and we're sending it out for testing and we'll let you know as soon as we know yeah and then so it's like so what the hell happened yeah and Travis goes back and forth first he says that none of it was premeditated which kind of fucking makes it worse because he couldn't handle a woman saying no to him you're yeah. not entitled yeah. to us you piece of shit yeah. so then and he, he just couldn't help it. Fuck off. Yeah. Or, and then it's like, yeah, but then he spotted her on the street. He raped her. He strangled her. He knew enough to put her in the cooler. All of that happened. Like, everything uh, we were speculating about earlier. Yes. Like, she was in the granola cooler. Like, yes. it's so scary. And, like, that's what he was cleaning up with the bleach. And that's why he unplugged the camera and all and of like, that. Travis, I don't even think he was even trying to get away with it. It's like he sent that text message to the to the phone, knowing right. someone was going to see that. Then he agrees to meet the dad at the gas like, station. he could have just disappeared. Yes. No one ever would have known. No, no one, one saw you. No one ever would have known. Yeah. He needed to be involved. Oh my God. So Kenya finally gets a proper burial and we go back to Lydia. Yes. And she's an actual miracle. She's a miracle. You know, because of the stroke, she had to relearn everything about how to talk and how to walk. And, you know, we see some like footage of her learning how to talk and then... <sighs> And then she shows up and sits down for an interview with I'm Keith. Hysterical. I know, and Keith me too. knows what we're because yeah. he's like, we save the surprise for last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, she's here and she has lessons for all of us, yes. is all I can say. Like, yeah. you know, balancing her her ambitions, but like still healing her body and brain and knowing to try not to get ahead of herself. And you can see Keith wants to burst into tears. Yeah, totally. you, truly. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, like you yeah. can yeah. see, like, for all of the shit that we have said and all the fun we've had, like, he's a wonderful interviewer. Yes. And you can see it here that yeah. he does listen to her and helps her when she needs it because it is a struggle for her but yeah. also like she can fucking talk so let her let her speak. Yeah. I mean she looks good and she looks like she's got the rest of her life ahead of her. Yeah. She insists on forgiving him. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah because she's like a car- she's like a witness. She gives a, a yeah. victim impact statement because for her it's like I have too much work to do. Like, And she's like and I know forgiveness is, is about freeing yourself from the thing. Right. It's about not having to carry that around with you for the rest of your life. I'm so I'm not ready for I'm not there with you yet Lydia. Not yet. Right. But I do love that she's like look uh, he was scared. He was scared to death. I chose uh, peace over fear and I won. And I'm like, fuck yes, that's how you forgive. That's how you forgive, Lydia, by saying, and I won. And then, just like I'm sobbing hysterically at my desk, she gives Keith a little gift. I know. She gives him a bracelet. (laughs) May I open it? And she's like, yes. I love that. I hope they're still in touch. I love their, I hope they're friends. Um, And it's an acronym for her name and it says, live your days inspired anew. Which, of course, spells Lydia. Live your days inspired anew. Yeah. So then all of this stuff happens. I'm sobbing about the bracelet and Keith and Lydia being best friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. oh my God, I can't believe it. And <laughs> then my 
tears turn into, oh no. Rage because, tears. Because they have these balloons in the air at some memorial. Know, and I'm like, we were doing so no. well. Please don't do that. The earth is dying. Yeah. Please. with the, no. But everything, yeah, and Dateline, you could, don't encourage that. No. So what, uh, notes, Keith, if you're listening, I would encourage you to not show footage of the balloons going in the air. Ended on the bracelet. That was yeah. a perfect ending. <laughs> We did. What, uh, Dateline, what's it called? This one was called Deadly Connection. Oh my God, you guys. I love making these bonus episodes. Are you having fun, girl? I am having fun. I know. These stories are so inspiring. They're so scary. Like, oh my fucking God. I know. If you want more of us, you guys, join us on the Patreon over, like, getting to 300 full ad-free bonus episodes. Searchable on Patreon. We're going to make it searchable on the website. Don't get overwhelmed. Just go find the great content. Yeah, we're going to make it very easy for you. Yeah. If you are going to go out of your way to want to hear this. Yeah. more of this nonsense. We're going to make it as easy as possible yeah. because we're so... <laughs> So scared you're gonna run away screaming. No. <laughs> so we're gonna help you out. Um, all right, love you, girl. Love you, girl. Love you guys. Bye. Thank you so much. We hope you're having fun. Yeah. All right. Bye. Okay, bye. Of course, when you're that drunk, you immediately have to go to the bathroom in four <laughs> seconds. I've been yeah, there. Yeah, totally. Tuesday was a long one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the Fort Collins cops are just like, he's just some drunk clown, but yeah. we got to yell at him and whatever. <laughs> they have no idea that Travis I'm the Derpy. I'm I make little freaking all the bars, man. <laughs> man. Man. Oh, stop it, man. <laughs> Fort Collins, girl. <laughs> Hi, we're Denver. <laughs> Great to meet you. Great. Lovely little also college Also, pleasantries, whatever. No, no. <laughs> oh, this town seems full of young girls who like to party. Yeah. <laughs>